Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. This is our midweek show. We're going to pick six topics of the week that we want to highlight and talk about and share with you guys. And this is going to be completely off the cuff for the most part on this show, unscripted. We're just going to have a conversation, see where it goes. Um, we've got some topics written down, and that's about as far as we've gotten on uh, on the research on this particular episode, so <laughs> let's what, just go for it. And that's what our, our midweek show is going to be. We're we, we're picking we're picking six topics. Typically, um, after we record the uh, the the first show of the week, where we talked about the um, you know the the game, and then we come back with six topics, and then we 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 go. Um, and so uh, hopefully it'll be it'll, it'll be a little looser, a little more free flowing, a little more fun. Yeah. and we'll go with that. You know, so. and, and and I've had some comments too, and and welcome in by the way. Um, I've had some comments <laughs> online where uh, we we changed uh, right before the uh, September first to coincide with our agreement with the Pigskin Podcast Network, which we are now a part of. I should probably mention that consistently. Um, where we changed our uh, format. We went from a, a single show that was averaging about a, an hour and 20 minutes per episode down to three episodes of about a half an hour each. And I, I received several comments so far about people really liking the long form of how we uh, had <laughs> discussions and the conversations went in depth and, and um, the way that we just treated different topics um, people kind of miss that a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see, um, how they react overall to this, this kind of new format, which I really like actually. Um, it, it helps split, split it up a little bit mm-hmm. and it seems like we, we carry a little bit more energy into we, to each show and we stay focused. So that's and we stay focused. That is, I think we stayed focused before. I think we did, we did a pretty good job. Come on. Even though they were long shows, I, we, I don't think that we were completely out there. No, we weren't completely out there, but we did have those episodes where we just got off on tangents and those were fun, but they weren't always. Well, they were really fun. And once in a while, dude, I'm going to press you to, to record one for just nostalgia reasons. So uh, let's I'm, push I'm record and see what happens. And, yeah, and an hour and a half it. later, we'll probably have some good stuff. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Hopefully. So let's jump into our six. I wanted to lead us off with um, the first home game with fans in what felt like forever. Um, And the 12s brought it. They really did. You could hear it on TV. Um, It was loud. It was loud when it needed to be. Um, Even when, you know, the Titans were, were, were clawing their way back into it and, you know, Derrick Henry had that big play and the offense was struggling to move the ball. Um, the, 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 the fans were there. They were loud. It was fun to hear, you know, the, the crowd noise. And I 
would have been waiting for that. I've been waiting was great. for that at a home game for a long time. It was long it was time. nice to see too that, you know, everyone was in sync. Everyone remembered what to do when the offense was out there and so forth. And when the defense was out there, you could really see that it was making a difference. Um there were a couple of false starts there as well. And um, you know, it's challenging for the offense to do that. It was nice to see again. I really like the the full stadium. I know that there's you know, some contention out there with regards to, you know, how they're getting in and what they need to do to be in this in the stands and so forth. But all that aside, it's good to have fans in the seats and cheering for your favorite team. I think it's just a better product overall. And it's better for the game. It's better for the players to have those guys out there. It's better for the energy. It just makes it a complete experience. I will say, unfortunately, um, the team is 0-3 in the last three games at home with fans in the stands. Like what's going on with that? Yeah. I mean, th- this is a team that's, that's been really weird recent the last, you know, year and a half. If you count this year, um, all of last year. And then, you know, the pre the, the end of the previous year where there seemed to be better on the road. Um, and you it's know, just they're, so weird. It's so weird. Cause it's not like, you know, you're playing in, uh, you know, you're one of those teams that play in a, in a in a quiet or empty stadium, or if you're playing, you know, in LA where the road fans outnumber the home fans, or something like that. You know, the 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 Seahawks fans bring it. It's loud. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and they, Pete Carroll, yeah. What say what you want about Pete? He's a guy that brings a team with a lot of energy into a home game. Usually, yeah. You know. So, so this doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I know we've had some close games. We play in a close division. That's part of it. We, you know, all of that is, um, you know, makes makes things challenging. But it's challenging for every team in the NFL. But you always thought the Seahawks would bring it at home, especially with the best home field advantage in football. And it just, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I don't want to be, you know, Mr. Negative. But it was... Um, you know, it is one of those things. I'd like to see that true home field advantage return and have, you know, yeah. Seattle be dominant again it's, at home would be nice. It's very peculiar that they aren't playing as well, even when the fans are doing their thing. So, so we touched upon this uh, briefly on the show um, where we were reviewing the game against the, the Titans. Seahawks lose that in overtime. Tell it two halves, Keith. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we showed up in that first half. The defense was playing strong. We contained um, Henry. Um, I think he was uh, only had 33 yards on 13 carries, 2.7 yards per carry average. And then he just exploded in the second half and we imploded. Yeah. Um, and that was essentially the game. Yeah, I don't know I mean, what, what the messaging was. It was at halftime, whether it was, hey, we've got this, you know, and cause it felt like everyone relaxed. Um, and the offensive line didn't block as well. Um, there wasn't the urgency. They didn't play with tempo on offense. The defense, um, just wasn't being as effective and, uh, you know, just a lot of different problems on defense, but it just, everything kind of was, yeah, it just wasn't as good. And it's, it's troublesome. It's worrisome. Hopefully, you know, the team learns its lesson here and this isn't a thing anymore. Um, and they, they, as Well, I was going to ask you, like, what are the lessons that the defense, you know, in particular, maybe the offense too, but the the defense took away from this game because, you know, 
and going back to the, the offensive side of the ball, um, at the end of the game, the Titans had 212 yards of total rushing to our 77. We mm-hmm. were four for 12 on third down conversions, and we held the ball for just 22 minutes and 42 seconds in a 65-minute game because of overtime. Tennessee had the ball twice as long as the Seattle Seahawks in this mm-hmm. game. And it you wouldn't have never known that it was going to end up like that at halftime. No. Um, but in the second half, I mean, the, the Seahawks struggled to move the ball, struggled to, uh, you know, string a drive together, and the Titans ran all over the place. And you, that much that much running, and it just, it just became a mess. And I think part of it is you look at, um, well, one of the other things that we were going to talk about here in our pick six, um, and it comes down, you know, when we start looking at the defensive line rotations, why did Carlos Dunlap only play a third of the snaps. He is your highest priced defensive lineman. He is supposed to be the star, the biggest star on that defensive line, and he barely played. He wasn't hurt. Yeah, 30% of the defensive snaps against Tennessee. Yeah. And was- um, Rashim Green had 64%, and Ben Mayoa, who we talked about last year, being overutilized as being a detriment to this defense, played 65% of the snaps, gave up 212 yards rushing. Yeah, and and, and he's a terrible run defender. So, Benson Mayoa. Benson Mayoa. So why is Benson Mayoa in there for 60-some percent of the snaps and Carlos Dunlap not playing? To me, this screams a, all right, we've got this wrapped up. Let's play the backups. Let's rest the starters, the veterans, the guys over 30, so that way they don't, you know, get run down. We'll keep them healthy and ready for next week. But well, then why did Alton Robinson play fewer snaps than L.J. Collier in a game where last week L.J. Collier was a healthy scratch? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I think that that might have to do with he played a lot of snaps in the interior because of no Brian Monet. Um, and so he got snaps, but he got them in the middle. Okay, but um, still, nonetheless, Alton yeah. Robinson's playing 20% of the snaps. That's a problem, considering yeah. how well Alton Robinson is playing. So Alton Robinson played 20%, and uh, Dunlap played 30 There's Combined, two of your best... The, the, your two best defensive, defensive ends, yes. except for may, maybe Kerry uh, uh, Hyder. But um, on the other side of the line, your two best guys only played half your snaps. And that's just, that's not okay. They, you can't do that. You've got. And to. Carlos Dunlap is a traditional. You know, they they have him playing Leo, same position yeah. as Benson Mayoa, but he's a traditional five tech. This guy's a edge well, defender he, by nature. He's but he so no, having he, him out there is not a liability, is what I'm saying. Oh he yeah, better, no, but having having Mayoa out there is the liability. Now that is very true. Um, and in a game when you're playing Derrick Henry and you're getting ran over. Why are you playing the your pass rush specialist who's terrible against the run? I mean, what what is going on with that rotation? Like that makes no what sense. What is what is going on with Ken Norton Jr. and what is it, going on with Pete Carroll? What is what is going on with that combination? I don't know. I, my my larger question is like, we started the the year last year poor. We ended okay. We kind of ended ended somewhat poor, but the hope was by the additions that we had this year that that we were going to be able to start strong and now and, after the second game it makes me wonder like what's going on well they did start strong the first game they looked great um and 
but the second game, it looked terrible. And I don't know, like, this is one of those things that we don't know is as they do all the rotations and stuff that, you know, guys come in and out and everything, um, your defensive coordinators call in plays. Typically it is your, your line coaches that are, that are rotating and sending in, you know, those packages, unless they're, the game plan is calling for, okay, on third and line long, we're sending in the NASCAR package and, and the set of pass rushers and that kind of stuff. But the idea that, um, in a game where the other team's running the ball and running the ball and the running the ball, that you're going to have Mayoa in there for that many snaps. Um, I, like I said, I don't know if that was a game plan thing ahead of time or if it was, you know, that they were trying to rest Dunlap and that's just the way that it worked out. But that is a problem. And whether it's your, your line coach that's making that call or Pete Carroll or, or Ken Norton, typically I believe it would be the line coach, but I'm not going to try and just oh, automatically place blame there. But that's a mistake. And that's a mistake that caught them, cost them a football game. Well, let's, talk, let's stay with the mistake situation and let's talk about penalties a little bit. Oh, and God. specifically like taunting. And then maybe the, talk about the lesson that Pete Carroll chose to, to, to send to Jordan Brooks in this game. Um, you know, the, the team overall was penalized 10 times for 100 yards. Some of those were costly. Some of those were stupid. I think five or six of those came after the whistle type of mm-hmm. plays, which you just is a discipline issue, um, which yeah. leads me to kind of a coaching question, like what's going team, on with Ken Norton? The, what's the, going on with... The, the team needs to tighten that up because that's just unacceptable. But we've said that for years. I think last year they did actually did a pretty decent job kind of getting back in line with penalties overall, but... It's been a problem the entire time Pete Carroll's been here, except for, I mean, last year they were okay. Um, But when... With regards to what? Like how he lets players kind of play loose a little bit? Kind of, but it's more just the penalties in general. The penalties, there's, they've always been bad. This is one of the most penalized teams. And some of it is that, you know, you had um, all the effetis and, you know, whatever on the offensive line. And Tom Cable was such a terrible coach that, you know, those guys held on every play and it was just awful. Um, And so that had something to do with it. On defense, though, they always gave up. There, There was a lot of like, pass interference calls where they would get there just a second too early and you didn't want to you didn't want to get you you had to be okay with some of that because you wanted them playing hard and you wanted them hitting hard and you wanted them attacking and so occasionally you're going to get there a half a second too early and it's going to be a penalty and you're like you know what okay I'll take the aggressive play um but Jordan Brooks Pushing, you know, the guy when he's already out of bounds and, and, and getting that personal foul. Um, yeah, three yards out of bounds. But but the question for me, I disagree with the, you know, the, the play of Brooks and so forth. I agree with the penalty. I think it's it's totally legit. Okay. The, the punishment, though. I mean, Pete really did actually come out and say, yes, I took him out of the game. I wanted to send a message. So Jordan Brooks missed two series. So you take one of your best defenders off the field in the game where... Derrick Henry's starting to have an impact and you put the player with the worst pro football focus grade out of this game in Cody Barton in to replace him. And as linebackers go, Cody Barton's not the stout run defender. Um, He's as linebackers go. I like he's, he is um, he's better in coverage. He's better in space. 
but he is not the, you know, come up and, and take down, uh, you know, the best running back in, in the NFL. Regardless of that, (laughs) what do you think about the message? I'm okay with the message. I wish it was more consistent. What do you think about DJ Reed and the taunting? Did DJ Reed get kind of benched? No, he didn't. And that's what I meant by the consistency of it. Um, I'm okay with him, you know, pulling back and, and, and trying to get. And by the way, I disagree with the DJ Reed call. Uh, you know what? Like uh, the like way we the, could have a longer call, conversation overall about taunting, for example. Yeah, I'm um, the. I think the NFL did it right the last couple of years, where they've let the stu- let, let the um, the players like, uh, you know, do their celebrations and whatnot and show some emotion, and then all of a sudden this year they're back to being stupid. Um, the DJ so do you Reed think it's one, a temporary thing where they they do this for uh, three or four weeks and then they kind of back off a little bit? No, I, I hope think, so. I, I the hope player so, but, association came out today strongly against yeah. what's going on. Yeah, I, I think thought it's was a, interesting. I think it's a um, a situation where, unfortunately, we're probably going to deal with it all year, and then you know they'll make the changes in the off season. But um, you know, what did what did DJ Reed do? He made a fantastic play down the field and then flexed. Right when He's he a, was almost turned the other direction well, from the from the player. It happened fairly the, quick, but man, there was nothing there. Come there was not. I know. These but are that's what I'm grown saying. men playing football, which is a highly emotional. This is one of the best parts of the game yeah. is when players just get emotional and they're showing it out on the field. And it's Absolutely. just one of those powerful moment, powerful moments where you want to relish that moment for your team and for your player. Um, he's not in the guy's face he's not standing face to face where they're like taunting him he's literally expressing his individual moment yeah and that just happens to be coming off the play instantaneously as he's flexing he's turning and walking away i just that to me is not taunting yeah i I thought it was a terrible call but it is what they said they're going to do this year is that you do that you know, if he, I think were, Pete would be wise to just tell the players, hey, listen, if you're going to, if you need to get up and you need to express yourself, you need to walk at least four or five steps away yeah, before and, you or, start. And then, and just make sure that you are facing the fans and you're like, a, you know, right. embracing you're not, that. You're or not you're, drilling the ball into the field and, and, you know, at the, at the player's feet or whatever. You're doing that three or four yards down the road. Yep. You get, I get think away. That that's okay. Get, a, get that's away okay, from the but play. But nonetheless, I think we're trending. I get it, right? I think there's a bullying message here. I think it's is the bigger message, which I think is why the league is trying to have that, you know, and they're trying to make this change and and get rid of the taunting and so all that, that they can and send the right signals to, yep. to people and to their fans and to the young people that are watching. I and I get that, and I totally appreciate that. But there is a, a difference between emotion mm-hmm. and taunting. Yeah, and you now, have to be so, able to capture that. So and, go back to week one when it was DK Metcalf and he was in the guy's face, just like the jabbering. And it was more than just jabbering. Um, He was staying in the guy's face as the guy's trying to walk away. So that way he can continue to make his point. Um, That's what they're, that's what the the league's trying to get rid of. That's the spirit of the penalty right there. Yes. And, and as much as I still think like you have, 
as a league, I'm okay with a little bit of that. You let it go a little bit here and there. You just don't let it get out of, out of hand. And I didn't think he was out of hand, but um, the spirit of the rule as it's being enforced this year is to get rid of that. What was DJ Reed? Like what, what, what would it, what did he do? And how was that similar? It wasn't, this is a little guy who is like, you know, he's five, nine playing against a big receiver, makes a big time play down the yeah. field. And yeah. he is celebrating because yeah. Well, when I saw should. that flag flying in from 20 yards away and, and, the, and the, and the judge that was right next to it didn't throw the play. I knew that this was going to be a problem. The, yeah. This is going to be a league wide problem. In fact, this, this particular clip was shown over and over today on social media as being an example of an overreach on, on calling these things. Well, and it's more than just an overreach. It's like, um, like you said, the, the, it was the person 20 yards away that threw the flag and it came way after the play ended. Like it wasn't like, you yes. know, the, the play ended, he did the flex and you know, the, the, they're like, nope, you can't do that. And they tossed the flag. He was walk. He had done that. Yeah, this he is like three, away. four seconds after the play. He's walking away, and then yeah, it flies. Up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I he had he had already he'd he'd done his flex. He was walking away. He was probably ten yards away from where the where the play happened. Oh, and now a flag comes in, and I was like, no, um, but something to monitor. You the, know, uh, the 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 bigger part here with the penalties. You know, Jordan Brooks um, had that dumb play out of bounds, three yards, and he got benched for it. Um, but Jamal Adams comes in on a quarterback uh, hit and roughing the passer on again, they should have gotten off the field because it was an incomplete pass, but he came in with a really dumb play and high. came in high, came in, in high, incidental came in high. contact with helmets, but nonetheless, he shouldn't he, have even been close. He came in high. He came in late, very late and then pushed and, and not, didn't just like make contact he made contact and pushed and, and made sure the guy hit, hit the ground. Um, it, the whole thing is just dumb. And again, extended a drive that, that was over. Um, and that's the second game in a row that he's had a play like that, where he just, he just isn't thinking and is hurting the team by, um, you know, just a dumb penalty. So let's talk about players that hurt the team just because. How about how about the center position, Keith? Oh, I know God. this is you know interior offensive line is kind of your gig. What what's going on? And and, and I want to ask the larger question, not just the play of Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller center, is terrible. But I want to talk the, the the larger question is why are we even in this position as a team and as a roster um, composition question when you've got a team that's otherwise could be in a Super Bowl kind of run. I think everybody recognizes a talented squad that could potentially get deeper than they've been in the playoffs in the last few years. Why are we having this conversation in the second game of the year in a position that's so critical? Yeah. I mean, and it, the thing is, okay, they brought um, back Ethan Posick. He was the starter all there all last year. He was, he was good at the beginning of the year, got hurt, came back and was kind of bad after he came back and, and just never really got that going. But they, they went out, they tried, they, they were in the market for some other guys. They, they weren't able to make it work. So they decided to bring Posick back. Okay. That's fine. But there's no backup plan. I mean, what you've got behind him is Kyle Fuller, who is not a good football player, just simply not a good football player. 
And so you've got an injury-prone guy that has a fairly low ceiling as your starter and a player who's just genuinely bad as the backup. There's no there's there's no um there's nothing positive about the position. The the best case scenario with the people on the roster was that it was going to be okay. That's not good enough. It's really just not good enough. Go find a player and get them in here. Yeah. Um, you know, there were people on the market, and I get that at the time when the market was uh when the players were available and all of that, the CX were, you know, struggling with cap space and, and trying to get some other things done. And then by the time, you know, they got kind of the cap stuff under control, they just, there wasn't, the, the market had died. Um, and some of it was that, but to come out of the draft and come out of the, all the whole process and then come out Creed of Humphrey was sitting there, my friend Creed Humphrey. Yeah. So the, the bigger issue is now, now, that we're in this spot. We know that Posick is going to be off and on. We know mm-hmm. that Carl Fuller's not doing the job. We got a guy that's basically semi-elevated from a practice squad kind of guy sitting on the roster. We just have no idea, really, if he's going to be able to perform. So why not go get about, a real Shepley? Shepley. So why don't I go get a real proven situation? Maybe a guy that's hanging around on a roster mm-hmm. in the NFL that's not starting but has starting potential. We flip a fifth round pick, get a guy in here and just let him have an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you got a fifth round pick when you, um, you know, you traded away Witherspoon. So now you've got an extra fit. You've got an extra five. So go find one of these teams. That's, that's genuinely bad. That, um, is rebuilding Atlanta comes to mind and be like, all right, so what, what do you got? You know, can we get a center, um, and come in here? And if they don't have one, it, they're not the only one, right? So they're, um, what does Houston have? Like, just go around and start sure. finding the teams that just are in the, they're either starting the rebuild or they're, uh, yeah. or they you go need, get a 26, 27 year old that's got a couple of years of experience that just got bumped by a rookie or whatever, but they kept the guy yeah. on the roster. Go find a, you know, the, the quandary digs of centers. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. And, um, Perfect. Guy that's total fringe. Pro Bowler, you know, there's probably ten of those guys, yeah. uh, you know, in the NFL um, that are better than Kyle Fuller. Go, t- go find one, go trade for him, get him ready, but for the end of the year, cut Fuller or cut Posick, uh, pick one. I, th- I know the team, r- <laughs> the team really likes Shepley, like, and I know you're like, oh, he's kind of an elevated practice squad guy. He was a guy that was expected to make the 49ers roster and the team had no belief that he would ever be available and he was suddenly available so they went and got him um and they fair, like fair him. enough but he just doesn't have any playing experience so i just like to see a guy a little bit more proven on a roster that's yeah. potentially going places well my All thought right. is my thought is fuller is doesn't have any experience he got a couple of games last year and a couple you know a game and a half this and again year. why are we sitting in this position and if you're going to play a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience, why is it Fuller when you know he's bad? If you the, think, Yeah, the team likes Fuller. If and, you think, and, it, and there's a lot that goes into the center position, Keith, as you very well I, know. And it's I not do. all just being failing on, on certain plays. It's line calls and all sorts of other stuff. True, but he's you have to be able to do the job. You can't just be the guy that makes the line calls and all, you know, those kind of things. Um, You have to be able to also 
do the job. All right. Last subject. Okay. Secondary. Uh, Where so, are we okay. at on the secondary? We knew this was going to be a problem coming into the year. Where yep. do we stand now yep. that we just saw like flowers have a very poor performance against this last team? Um, the, the Titans. Honestly, where... I think Reed is playing, playing well. Um, I like, but, terrible, where... but, but flowers had a terrible day. Let's just be honest. No, he just he, did. I'm not. And I wasn't going to say otherwise. I think I reads playing well. Flowers had a terrible day. He also had a terrible day um, trying to cover Julio Jones, which is, you know, kind of and, like and trying to AJ cover... Brown too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are two really good receivers. Um, a lot of cornerbacks are going to have terrible days against those two guys, but flowers had a terrible day and, and it's not just because he was playing guys that are really good. And so I think it is, um, it's fair to criticize his play. He, he struggled. What um, do we have though? Who knows? I mean, we do have Sidney Jones, you all know, so the, let's talk about maybe Sidney Jones is a guy the, that might be ready to go. Does he know the playbook yet? Well, I mean, he's a pro. He's a pro, so let's let him go. Let's let's have him have, you, a, have a go. One of the guys who had a good game covering that um, besides Reed was Ugo Amadi. Um, granted, he was in the slot; he wasn't carrying, covering the two big guys, um, but he was covering and had a good game covering. Marquise uh, Blair didn't grade out that well. I'm just curious as to what you think about Marquise Blair. I don't think he, I, I didn't see much of him. I didn't see think that he played much they only played so, 30 some odd percent in the in the nickel yeah in this game um i would like to see them or maybe they played 60 no excuse me i think they played 65 percent in the nickel but derrick henry was having a field day running the ball so maybe that wasn't the best thing that they yeah. could have done i mean playing in the nickel is normally good but when you're getting ran over you got to get up in in the base and and, and do that mm-hmm. kind of stuff i just want to see if it's not Sidney Jones, it should be Ugo Amati. Someone else needs to be playing on the outside. I Flowers really? had, Flowers had a good game in week one. I, I I think we we need to acknowledge that. But he was also not playing against the top receivers. You have a um They also have team, Bless Austin too. So which, Pete Carroll on on seven ten ESPN today said that Bless Austin and Sidney Jones are working at practice to see where they fit. Uh, Carol said Jones is ready to play now. We'll see how it goes. Rookie Trey Brown will be back after week three as well. Yeah. That's what, that's out of Pete Carroll's mouth today. Yeah. Uh, honestly, if Trey Brown plays this year, I'm and, and with any significant snaps, I'm going to be surprised. He just, he missed all of camp. Then he got hurt again. He never really looked good when he was out there at camp. He's a guy that, that at this point he's a project and I think their talents there, but he's got a, He's got to figure how to not hold on every play like he did in college, and he just has to really just kind of learn the defense still. Um, Sidney Jones, okay, let's play him. I mean, is he going to be worse than Flowers We're, we're there now. We're early in the season. Our secondary is not very good. Let's go ahead and put Jones out there now and see if we can get you know ready to go after, say, week five, week six, and he's mm-hmm. kind of a fixture at that point if he can stay healthy. And figure out if we can get flowers out of here, or maybe bring another guy in or something. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, like but I said, flowers, it's not working. Flowers played well in week one. He played terribly in week two. So, including, including, you know, run coverage, run, run support, which is one of the things he's typically really good at. He was a previous safety. 
Yeah, and he's typically re- he's tip he's a very good tackler, and he's typically good in run support uh, as a you know for a corner. He's typically one of the better ones, and so there are things that he does that he brings that's that's besides just coverage. But he didn't do those things well um, in this game. It was just a really bad game for him. Um, All yeah, right. I mean, I, I I think at some point you know you've got to recognize he isn't he isn't a top flight safety or he's, or not, he's not a corner. starting he's not a yeah, starting he's not a starting corner caliber corner and so he's fine to have as your you know your third corner that can come in here and there and and play yeah. but he's not a guy that should be out there starting for you and yeah. if Sidney Jones I think he is could find a really actually he could find kind of a nice hybrid role in the NFL where he plays a little safety he plays a little corner mm-hmm. he's not asked to be the guy on the outside edge too much I think he that plays this, in a zone, you know, I think, I think that's where he's lining him up at or switching him to corner full time and making him a full time outside corner after being a college safety um, instead of doing that experiment is over. I think instead of doing what they did with Blair, which is having him be a hybrid and does, doing both. I think that was a mistake and it's hurt flowers long term in his career. Like, I think that he went from having the Seahawks. Well, I mean, the, his rookie year, they had nothing, and he had to start week one and play, and he held his own. I still think his rookie year is his best football. He played. He's played his best football his rookie year. He's got too much going on in his head now or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Keith, we need to get out of here. Let's so, do it. Midweek show is over. <laughs> Follow <laughs> Keith on Twitter, at MyersNFL. I'm at NWSeahawks. Show is at Seahawks Playbook. Or Hawks Playbook on Twitter, SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows, everything else. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast app and YouTube and subscribe. Need more subscribers? Make sure you sh- have the shows show up in your feed every time. You, well, you don't have to worry about it and look for us and search for us every time. We're just there. So until next time, Keith, go, go Hawks. Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.